0: Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week you heard the great warning from Jesus concerning the destruction of Jerusalem and its temple. He warned them because their ears were closed and their eyes were blind to God's word and his miraculous signs. In particular, they rejected the words of Jesus and his divine essence. They did not receive him as the promised Messiah. They rejected him. It's not that if all the people had listened to his warning, repented of their waywardness, and suddenly had faith in God's Word and then believed in His only begotten Son, Jesus, that the destruction of Jerusalem would not have occurred. The fact is, the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. would most certainly have occurred because every prophecy and prediction from God comes to fruition. They are fulfilled last week you also heard our pastor pastor rojas yes our pastor and yes i do listen to his sermons even though i and my wife may not be in attendance here every week we are my wife and i are members like you of zion lutheran church and so i listen to our pastor and our pastor last week gave us also a great similar warning. It wasn't a warning regarding a building or a nation coming to utter destruction, but it was a warning of an eternal destruction of your body and soul, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Pastor, explain what happens when a person stops coming to church. What happens when a person stops listening to God's Word, receiving His gifts and mercy and grace? And the most important detail pastor mentioned was that the person wouldn't even feel that their faith in God and belief in Him had grown cold and died. This happens because the impenitent sinner His faith and what he believes in switches from the eternal things of God to the temporal things of the world. Many of the people in Jesus' day, leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem, some 40 years later, had faith in and believed in the wrong thing. They did not have true saving faith in the one true God, nor believe in the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ. We should therefore take heed, shouldn't we, to the warnings that come from the very mouth of Jesus. Additionally, shouldn't we also take heed to the warnings that come from our pastor, where the Holy Spirit moves him to, gives up, to give us warnings about? We would be utterly foolish, foolish to think that not all of what God says in his word is true. Our pastor has taught us that the Bible does not contain God's word It is God's Word. If we believe that it contained God's Word, then we would also believe that some of it is not true and some of it is. But we believe that this is, from Genesis through Revelation, to be the inerrant, inspired Word of God. And we receive it. And all the doctrines of the church, Christ's church, are based upon what he spoke. Now, I preface all this because in today's gospel reading, Jesus gives us yet another warning. It's not a direct warning as was last week's warning, but Jesus gives us today a warning in the form of a parable. To be sure, Jesus used parables throughout his ministry. He spoken parables continuously. Not all of his parables, but some of them were about God's final judgment. In today's parable, Jesus speaks directly to a particular group of people. I hope you caught it, but I'll read it to you again. Jesus spoke a parable to those who trusted in themselves to be righteous and treated others with contempt and hatred. In the parable, there are obviously two identifiable subjects, one being the Pharisee and the other one being the tax collector. There would be little argument that this parable could be spoken to those in our society today. So many people see themselves above the rest, better than the others, more knowledgeable and compliant to the current culture's condition. Checking the right boxes, using correct pronouns, Some of these folks use a particular buzzword to identify themselves in wokeness. They are the modern-day Pharisee, trusting in themselves and treating others with contempt and hatred. But we, we, we need to take heed to the warning in the parable Jesus tells Now this parable is considered by some to be one of the more popular parables of all the parables. You may have your favorite. This isn't necessarily mine, but it is something, there is something very deeply true that is necessary for us to learn here. There are actually two things. First, we need to take heed to Jesus' warning. You see... With these two subjects, the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee, and described very well by Jesus in the parable, not with so many words, but we get it. The Pharisee comes and he stands in the temple. Two men come to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee stands And he boasts to God, and he says, I thank you, God. Now, that's not a bad thing to start out with in prayer. In fact, his whole prayer isn't bad. But he says, I thank you, God, that I am not like other men. Extortioners, adulterers, and even like... That tax collector. The tax collector. Humbling himself. Feeling so ashamed of who he is. Standing even in the shadows of the pillar in the temple. Doesn't even raise his head to look up at God. Says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says that this man goes home justified and not the other. Now, to be justified, it it actually is a legal term. It's a legal term that would be used in a courtroom. It is, it is meant to, to mean vindicated. Not just forgiven. It also means to be saved. But it also means to be set free. And so imagine being justified in God's court. Hearing from the just judge, you are free. You are innocent. You can go. We didn't hear that from the Pharisee. The Pharisee did not hear that for himself, because in whom he had faith in and what he believed in was not right. It was all wrong. He believed in God. So many people do, don't they? Some believe in a God who is not of the Bible. And we pray for them. We pray for those who even believe in the God of the Bible but only part of the Bible. We pray for them. We pray for people who say they believe in God but yet never come to church we pray for them but why did this man go why did this Pharisee go to the temple to pray because he believed in himself he had faith in himself and he believed in his own works he thought that his own works can justify him And the fact of the matter is, there is no work ever that can justify a man but one. The work of Jesus Christ, of course, is the only work that justifies. It is the only work that satisfies the Father. The Pharisee did not believe in that. But the tax collector did. A very short prayer, but meaningful one. You see, the tax collector knew exactly who he was. The Pharisee didn't want to look in the mirror to see who he was. The tax collectors saw him as You and I see ourselves sinners. We don't jump up for joy about that. We're actually ashamed of it. I sinned. I sinned not only against my neighbor, but most importantly, I sinned against God. I'm full of shame and guilt and regret. I wish I could do better. But we know about our Human nature is always that war with the spirit within us, the spirit we have received from God in the water of holy baptism and the hearing of his word, which strengthens that spirit in faith. The tax collector understands who he is and he has faith in the one who can provide what he asks for. He asked for mercy. He asked for compassion. He asked to be forgiven. He asked to be welcomed in the presence of God Almighty. And that's exactly what he received. Because he knew who he was, and he knows who God is. We are poor sinners in the divine service. We make that confession. We're not proud of it, but it is what we confess, our sins, all of them, the ones that we can remember, the ones we don't. All of them we throw upon the mercy of God and we ask, have mercy upon us. And he does. And that's the sweet, loving gospel that we hear from the pastor. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I announce the grace of God, and in this stead, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we can hear the words from Jesus in the parable. You, You can go home justified. Saved, forgiven, vindicated. Set free, oh joy. You are free to serve, you are free to love, you are free to give. This is what God's mercy provides, freedom. Freedom to love, freedom to serve, freedom to give, freedom to do God's will. There is a second part in which i like to talk about regarding this parable. I just don't want to write the Pharisee off, although it's quite clear that in the parable, he does not go down to his home justified, but the tax collector does. But I believe that we ought to have sympathy for the Pharisee. You see, this Pharisee was... Well, he was smug and arrogant and he was full of himself. And we see that. And we would perhaps want to say, God, I thank you that I'm not like that Pharisee. In essence, we become like that Pharisee. Repent. Have sympathy for the one who is smug and arrogant and full of himself. It's something very difficult for us humans to understand, to get over. But it isn't about him, and it's not about you. It's about Christ. It's about revealing God's love in Christ to others. As you would desire to receive sympathy from others, so you sympathize with them. We can tolerate tax collectors and abortionists, drug addicts, the sexually immoral, but we cannot take smugness, the self-righteous, and the dreaded holier-than-thou. And we really can't take anyone who takes himself seriously. It seems as though the only virtue our society knows today is called virtue signaling. What we can take away from this parable today, what lesson we can learn, is to show sympathy toward the Pharisee. Imagine, imagine how you'd feel if you had to face the man that beat you up or humiliated you at work, or slept with your wife. We don't know what the Pharisee was going through. We don't. Jesus doesn't reveal that to us. But we know this. The Pharisee was hurting. The Pharisee had a broken heart. We know that he felt shame. We know that he he had regret and guilt. And how do we know this? It's not there in the the parable, Jesus doesn't mention any of these things. But this is what God's word does say. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Whatever you have experienced in your life, know that this Pharisee and those like him have experienced it also. At one level or degree or another. None of us are immune to temptation. None of us are are free from temptation. We are set free in Christ in a lot of things. We are set free from death. We are set free from hell. We are set free from sin and guilt and shame and all those things. But we are not set free from temptation. And there is no doubt that every human being on earth is tempted. And so, this Pharisee, like you and me, hurt, suffer, are in pain have had to deal with sin and regret and guilt, and so do not pass judgment on others. Love them. Show them the kindness of God and the mercy of Christ, and love them. Just love them. I'm not saying that sorrow or pain justifies bad behavior, because it doesn't. Yet we we would all pray to have the world be a little kinder to our sons and our daughters, to our mothers and our fathers, to our co-workers, to our superiors, to our teachers and our students, to government officials, To teachers and to pastors. We could all show a little kindness. Yes, the Pharisee behaved horribly. He was self-righteous, looking inwardly at his own so-called righteous and justifying works. He had faith in himself. That's bad. He believed in his good works, that in the end that they would somehow justify him, but they don't. They never will. But the Pharisee lacked is what he didn't, ask for. he didn't ask for. He didn't ask God for mercy, therefore he didn't receive it. Not that he didn't deserve it, or that God was unwilling to give it, he didn't ask for it. He didn't think he needed it because his faith was wrong and his belief was wrong. He went home damned, destroyed, crushed under the weight of God's truth. But let us not despair, my friends. There is a positive example in the parable. There is the tax collector. He was sorry for his sins, painfully sorry for his sins. He was humbled before God and man. He confessed who he, who he was, a sinner, and he asked God for mercy, and that's what he received. He went home justified, even though he was a dirty, rotten scoundrel in the eyes of society. You don't have to be a public scoundrel to need forgiveness. You can be a private scoundrel to need and desire forgiveness. All your secret sins and your addictions and all the things in which you believe you suffer from is a result of your sin. You can have secret sins and you can have horrible thoughts and you can even be self-righteous like the Pharisee to need forgiveness. But it is here in this temple, the body of Christ, the sanctuary we call Zion, that you lay out your request before God on the altar, and you plead for mercy. You may sit in the pew and bow your head, not even desiring to look up to God because of sin, You know your sins and you know you are a sinner. Dearly redeemed in Jesus Christ, look up. Look up. What do you see? I see love. I see the one who humbled himself, who bore our sin, who suffered our punishment, who wore a crown of thorns, who had his hands and and feet pierced with nails, who had his side pierced and outflowed blood. He spilled his blood to satisfy the Father's demands. He became for us the holy sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look up! What do you see? I see the man who humbled himself only to be exalted on the third day. For he rose from the dead. And thus all who are baptized into Christ are baptized into his death and his resurrection. And therefore we, through the merits of Christ, humble ourselves. But in Christ, faith in Christ, belief in Christ, are exalted. Not that we all stand before one another patting ourselves on our backs. But we stand with all the angels and archangels in all the company of heaven. Giving glory to God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Dear friends in Christ, in a few minutes, we shall pray in the collect of the day, thanking God. Not as the Pharisee thanked God, but... We thank God that he is always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than either we desire or deserve. He is, in fact, eager to forgive, abundant in his mercy, loving of both tax collectors and shameful past and the proud church goers with secret sins. Christ died for your sins He rose again for your justification. He absolves you this day, restores you, and feeds you with his word and truth. He sends you home justified. Not made perfect. Not without a memory of the past. And not yet free from temptation. But justified. Vindicated. Forgiven. Set free, you are declared righteous for Christ's sake, acceptable and loved by God. This is, in fact, the essence of our faith and the chief attribute of our God. His mercy endures forever. And the peace of God, which surpasses all the understanding your minds can bear, guard your hearts In Christ Jesus, our loving, merciful Savior, amen.